Da na 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 Oh, you're gonna start with that? I was gonna go heaven. Oh, yeah. Must be missing an angel. I actually don't like Cameron Diaz. I have not attracted her, but that that scene. That scene. That one scene. Yeah. 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 yeah I like yeah, that yeah. scene. Anyway, I'm Samuel. <laughs> I'm Bentley. And this is the Re View Podcast, podcast and about to... Charlie's Angels 2000. Oh yeah. You've got to keep this straight. I grew up with Charlie's Angels on TV. Then Drew Barrymore came along and did the two Charlie's Angels that really could not be any more 2000s. This movie has no brain cells, and I think I love it. <laughs> it's it's the dumbest, loudest, Just most like Jerry Bruckheimer yeah. nonsense. It's, they, I don't think they have a script. I think they just showed up to the <laughs> set every day and thought what would be funny. Every day they were like, Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu, and who should we cast them with? Uh, put Tim Curry in there. Yeah. Uh, let's get Chris McGovern and he'll have a thing, a fetish for women's hair. Sure, whatever. Sure. Like Matt LeBlanc, he's on TV. He's popular now. He's hunky. Let's throw him in. It is absolutely insane. <laughs> it it. What's great is that halfway through this movie, there's just like a montage of them recreating scenes of the original show. Yeah. And you also get the sense that any one of those also could have worked as the plot of this movie. Like, this is such an intensely, like, 70s jiggle vision plot. Like, it's homage. It's homage. homage. I yeah. would like to say homage. <laughs> sure, whatever. Look, <laughs> Drew Barrymore licks the steering wheel of a, of, a, of a car in this movie. There's no redemption here. There's Which, no. I must say, I, as you know, ten-year-old Bentley, really wanted to see Charlie's Angels do that in the seventies, <laughs> and they didn't. So you know, I was happy when this movie came out. So, all credit to Lucy Liu for putting this movie on her goddamn back and standing up because this is her film. I mean. Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz do a perfectly serviceable, fun job as the characters they're drawn as. But Lucy Liu is the only competent member of this team. (laughs) And the only one who seems to care about the plot. Um, It's, I mean, look. Well, I I don't know if that's just, that might not be something in her favor. Like, you you shouldn't care about the plot of this movie. No, no, no. So the great feminist thesis of this Charlie's Angels was we can be just as stupid as the boys, right? Yes. This, this comes out at the exact same time as, as Aust- Mission Impossible 2, well, which this thing directly makes fun of at yes. like three different points. <laughs> I do love that there's a seagull. Like, oh my god. It's, it's, so director Mick G had mostly directed music videos before this, and it shows because every five goddamn minutes, there's another incredible late 90s techno track yeah. to Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu whooping ass. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's art, baby. It's art. Hanging in the Louvre. Like, shut up. It's great. <laughs> like, they, they beat Chris McGlover's ass to Prodigy. Like, holy shit. You could have pulled this directly from my brain. I'm starting to see a lot of my own influences. I didn't realize yeah. how much this... I was so shocked at how much of this movie I remembered. Yeah. I think this movie rewired parts of my brain. There's a little <laughs> subatomic Lucy Liu connecting <laughs> in my brain. It's just like, okay, this goes here, and that goes there, and in 20 years he's really going to love this Prodigy album. Like, so, And they were obviously playing to my brain's wiring, so that's why this movie is perfect. They have... It's I, really perfect. I don't really think we've given enough credit to how weird the villains are in this film. We've got Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Who isn't even acting. No. Just, no, just, no. 
Try this blowfish. It's toxic. <laughs> one in sixty. I For think, a man who doesn't fear excruciating death. I think they just filmed Tim <laughs> Curry at a Hollywood cocktail party. Like, <laughs> as someone who just watched before this, I had just watched last weekend Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> Tim Curry is on such a roll in the 90s. Yeah. It's such a great time for him because Hollywood, in a rare instance of actually doing this right, in the late 90s, all of these kids who loved Rocky Horror yeah. suddenly get into positions of power in yes. Hollywood and they go... Oh, God, we're not going to wait till Tim Curry's dead to celebrate him. We're going to celebrate him right now. We're yeah. going to put him in kids' movies. We're going to put him in Charlie's Angels. We're going to put him yeah. in all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. he's just, they don't try and rein him in at all. No, he's no, just, just go. He gets into a, he, a sumo suit, an inflatable sumo suit, <laughs> With and Bill wrestles Murray. Bill Murray. <laughs> it's it, like this podcast might actually be one of our worst because we're just going to describe things to you that happen in this, this movie. This movie is bonkers. And you it's have to believe us because <laughs> all of it's real. <laughs> So, the, what we're not waiting to do is watch the Charlie's Angels that came out just last year. Uh, yeah, so... We, we sh- you know, so we have to admit that right up front. I wanted to do that. I wanted to do this podcast last summer after watching that one, and then Charlie's Angels Oh, did you see that one? No, I didn't. That's okay. what I'm saying, is that's a okay. real blind spot in well, the so podcast. Well, so what's really funny to me is you said it came out last summer, and it came out in, like, November, dude. <laughs> I don't think that's it part of the. Well. No, it didn't, because it came out in November. Yeah. Like, so it's weird, because they had a chance to do the same Because that was your generation. Again. Yes. You've got Elizabeth Banks directing yeah. it. Yeah. You've got a bunch of members of my generation. Yes. You've got As Kirsten Stewart. Yeah. Kirsten Stewart, who has actually had a very weirdly similar arc to what we were just describing with Tim Curry. Yeah. There are all these young women who grew up with the Twilight films who venerate Kirsten Stewart, yeah. who know that she is, and she is truly, a very talented and, and very yes. hardworking actress. Yes. She's been in a lot of nominated and awarded stuff. And like you've got, you're almost there, but then they dump it in November, and they don't really market it that well. I don't see a lot of trailers for it. And the people who see it are like, it's kind of boring, and it's a little too on the nose, and it's not really as much fun. And I think that might be what people come to this franchise for. Like, they might right. not... And I think that's what the 2000 version recognizes, that, you know, this TV show in the 70s was ridiculous on its face. Like, right? you it... can't... <laughs> this movie succeeds as a reboot, as a continuation, which we know we're always harping on, but it succeeds as a reboot... Because it actually doesn't reboot much of anything. It doesn't change much. <laughs> right. There's nothing right. really like in the formula that that Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and and Lucy Liu perceive as broken. Like right. So why I think this works, Charlie's Angels 2000 is on the one hand it is an homage, but it it still does stand as a criticism, right? So it comes out in between. On the one side they've got. The ridiculous Austin Powers movies, which are very similar, and they just jump from scene to scene doing ridiculous bits, right? There really is no plot that you're supposed to care about, okay? And on the other hand, you've got Tom Cruise firing up this franchise that's still going on today. All that super serious, you know, macho, male superhero stuff that you see in Mission Impossible and the Jack Ryan stuff that's on Amazon now. You know, I mean, that that's just a formula that Stallone and Schwarzenegger set, and it's still going strong. So Drew Barrymore is like, well, why can't women do that? Why can't we do that? So in some form, Charlie's Angels 2000 is trying to make the same point that Atomic Blonde is trying to make, except Atomic Blonde is serious, and Drew, as a comedian, comes in like, no, no, we'll do it sort of like our version of Austin Powers, but we're still going to be critiquing 
that other ridiculous male stuff. Well, what updates the formula, I think where this succeeds, how it, how it, how it I think can still be recommended in the year 2020, is that everyone is equally stupid. Like, yeah. like men, women, <laughs> yes. everyone has, Every, everyone has had their brains surgically removed. Like, it is... <laughs> Even beloved Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell is, is <laughs> so good in this movie. Like, I already love Sam Rockwell, but he is so well cast as, like, this, like, nebbish, like, tech innovator guy. He's playing Mark Zuckerberg before Mark Zuckerberg exists. Yes, that's right. And... When he is revealed, spoilers for Charlie's Angels 2000, when he's revealed as the bad guy and he takes off his shirt and you see that he has the guns of a champion, like, I don't know what Sam Rockwell's workout regimen was in the year 2000, maybe he does Pilates or something, but he's out there and he drops his voice and he, thank you God, he starts dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're playing Simon Says by Pharaoh Minogue and like... He's dancing, it's the Godzilla beat, uh, 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 and it's, (laughs) the brain came out of the back of my skull, like, it's so good. This movie is so good. So let me actually describe my evil plot for you while we are here. Oh man, is that a waste of air time? No, 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 no. (laughs) I think this is hilarious. I honestly think this is maybe the thing to recommend the most in the year 2020, is that 20 years ago... What's the evil oh. villain's plot? <laughs> yeah, this is funny. The evil villain <laughs> is going to create a device that can locate you through your phone. And know exactly where you are at all times. Dun, dun, dun. And the angels are like, what a nightmare that would be. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, angels, if only you knew. We'd <laughs> willingly give up our privacy. Like, it's it's so... <gasps> funny that like Lucy Liu, Drew Barrymore, and Cameron Diaz are fighting desperately against a feature that our phones routinely ask us for. Yeah. yeah. For something as benign as, as you know, the, the Kroger app, I think, needs to know my location. Like, are you kidding? <laughs> well, wait a minute. That doesn't mean it's not evil. Uh, no, I'm very much saying it's evil. I'm saying they failed. I'm saying the moral Angels arc. failed. The, the Charlie's Angels could not stop the march of the smartphone. Yeah. It's, it's. What a shame. Oh my god, this movie's just like an assault of imagery. Like, every five seconds... It, it's it's fascinating, because McGee clearly subscribes to the theory that that a lot of creators his age did at around this time. It, again, I'm going to do what I always do and link it to a completely unrelated piece of media. But the Bungie guys who made Halo had a very similar philosophy of, like, where if something exciting is not happening every five minutes... Like mm. we, like we are the they they would describe they are the first people who will shut off a game who will turn off a movie who will turn off a TV show like it, it, it's weird because obviously my father and I are are we really like films that are sophisticated have a good script have something to say you know have Take a lot some of time quiet oh my god do we love quiet we love whenever you drop the dialogue and soundtrack out of a film it's just some dude walking somewhere ten out of ten from Samuel I love that. And this movie is nothing but the exact opposite it's of that. Noise. And I, I still love it's it. It's so noisy. Because it embraces its identity. It's yeah. not like a Michael Bay movie where Michael Bay 
has a lot of the same filmmaking instincts, but he treats everything as like deathly serious. Like yes, if you watch those Transformers yes, movies, yes. every five seconds something's exploding, someone's getting in a car, there's a chase, there's a there's a smorgasbord. So this world that we live in now in 2020, in past podcasts, we've kind of traced it to mystery science theater, right, where everybody gets to comment on everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of mockery and sarcasm, except. You know what? You could also trace it to Charlie's Angels 2000. That, that, that tone of just wild, madcap, you know, ideas flying around left and right and just like, wait, what does this have to do with that? And you can't look at your phone for a second. No, this, this crazy hypermedia world that we live in, that tone is there mm-hmm. in Charlie's Angels 2000. It's something, uh, but but the the <laughs> casting of the of the guys is hilarious in this. We haven't touched on this. So, <laughs> the person who Cameron Diaz goes on a date with and shows up occasionally throughout oh, the film is Lord. Luke Wilson. Oh, so yeah, right yeah. there, you're like, okay, he's playing really dumb. What well, else you got? He, he's playing what now? Again, this is this is how it previews the world that we live in right there's there's a joke going around now about all those stupid hallmark movies yeah right where there is some anonymous clean-cut white guy and mcsweeney's the satire site did a great you know the plot of every hallmark movie (laughs) where they called that character chad potato right (laughs) he's as interesting as a potato and what's funny is luke wilson is that guy he's He's, chad potato he is, is the permanent also ran of Hollywood. Like, it's... it's Well, as an actor. Yeah, guess, yeah, yeah. But in this movie, he plays the nice, clean-cut guy who's not interesting in any way, shape, or form. No, no. He's just a guy. They they go to Soul Train, and he is, <laughs> his behavior is so painful in that scene. And it's, it's <laughs> remarkable. Uh, there's also uh, Tom Green as Chad. the Chad. The, the, the Chad. Chad. Sorry, the Chad. And he is... <laughs> insufferable but by, by, by the end of his last scene he's also kind of won you over because you kind of realize like okay we're 20 years too early but if this role was casted now it would be adam driver like adam driver would be the chad if you <laughs> if you had a brain and made this in 2020 yeah, like if you yeah. if you were to just make this again shot for shot you get adam driver was it the chad <laughs> i thought we'd have a little eggs and then a little chad <laughs> <laughs> it's, Can we go back to talking about Lucy Liu? Okay, please. Lucy Liu please. has a scene in this movie where she shows up to a bunch of office... Where she shows up on the set of Office Space, basically. Yeah. And she is wearing what I can That's only... That's a dominatrix. Dis- it's basically, a leather cat suit. <laughs> it's not quite a dominatrix outfit, but it's so close, and she's got a riding crop. <laughs> And listen, I saw this movie for the first time when I was eight, okay? <laughs> this is all my fault. I think it's been very influential. Shall we say? In certain fields. Here's another way it's been. I shouldn't have said that on the record. Here's how <laughs> that was dumb. Here's how it's been influential. Look, I will always say uh, at this point, I can't remember if we've covered a lot of this on the podcast, but my favorite Tarantino movie is Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. Yeah. And you don't get Lucy Liu's character in that movie, which is wonderful, unless Quentin Tarantino watches Charlie's Angels 2000. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> One is kind of the ridiculous, satirical, fun version. And then what you see in Kill Bill is not that far off. It's just, it's, it's, 
oh, Lucy Liu is such a gift to this world. And and when she first shows up in this movie jumping out of a helicopter and she takes off, like, the helmet of the skydiving outfit. In slow-mo. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's so hot. She's so hot. Mick G... Like I feel like I'm the world's biggest McGee fan as a as a director. Are you now? Because I love this movie, and I'm like one of three people not named McGee who really likes Terminator Salvation. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but yeah, after yeah. watching this movie, as much as I do love Terminator Salvation, what a waste of his talents! Like he should have just been making these sorts of movies forever. Like like there there was a time in my life where I wanted to be. Uh, a, a film director and as time has gone on I have realized that uh, that would have eaten me alive um, because I for a number of reasons um, but especially as I grow up and I, I'm still fascinated by Hollywood and I read the behind the scenes stuff and mm-hmm. I'm just like oh I couldn't survive in that ecosystem at all it's as, a massive as undertaking every day is political it's a real machine but the other thing is I, I think what I would aspire to have directed is is Films like Gareth Edwards, who did Rogue One and Godzilla. Yeah. I look at him and I'm like, okay, that's what I would aspire to be. Who I would probably direct like is Mick G. Because <laughs> I get I get frustrated when a movie does a montage and plays only 40 seconds of a song. And yes, I'm like, just right. do the whole three minutes, dude. Yes. I got the time. I'm here. I love this song. Yes. yes. Mick G and I are simpatico on that. <laughs> Mick G is like, God, I love The Prodigy. Can I set an entire three or four minute fight scene to this? Awesome. And he uses it multiple times. Yeah. And like... He just you'll use the whole song, and it's it's this. Oh my god! It's and we should also add that you know there's really no reason why most of these fight sequences should look like Jackie Chan kind of Hong Kong ridiculous, you know, hanging in midair fight scenes. Yeah. Except that Drew again, this is the time when Jackie was at his most popular in America. You had uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon doing John Woo is huge. John Woo is huge, and so you know here are these you know two Caucasians, one Asian, very slight females, you know, doing all these Hong Kong martial arts moves in heels, in heels in California, and it makes no sense whatsoever. But that's just what we wanted to see to the prodigy. Yeah, no, and it's just this weird mishmash of like. Again, where I think Mick G succeeds where Michael Bay fails is that Michael Bay only seems really influenced by Michael Bay. Like, he's in this this style where he's just cribbing from himself to the point where literally he's ripped footage from previous films he's done and put them in Transformers movies. It's gross. But Mick G is... He's learning. He's 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 looking at Hong Kong action cinema. He's looking at what the Americans are doing. He's looking back to the original seventies TV show. Yeah, this is not a reboot that penalizes you for knowing and caring about the original text. There is right. nothing in here that says, "Oh, that was stupid," or "Oh, that wasn't canon," or or anything that would belittle at all anyone's connection to that. Original Which franchise. brings us back to Mission Impossible. You know, that was the big knock on the first Mission Impossible was it basically uh, spit on the characters and the tone of the TV show. Yep. And really what you're seeing now with Tom Cruise and all these Mission Impossible movies has nothing to do with the original source. Yeah, where it, they didn't use guns and didn't kill people. Yeah, it's it's just Tom Cruise playing at James Bond. And so everybody wants to see that. They've accepted that. That's fine. But the Mission Impossible movies really are not about the TV show. No. And of course, the last 30 years of Hollywood is littered with movies that did not get this right. Now, sometimes 
it really did get it right. You know, the satirical tone and the tongue-in-cheek of the Brady Bunch movie. You yeah. know, that movie was commercially successful. People don't remember it now because the TV show has faded so much that nobody cares. But they really nailed that. And I remember that we pretty much liked uh, the Scooby-Doo live-action movie. You know, that's Directed to... by James Gunn. Right. Of Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. He cuts his teeth. On a bunch of like low rent trauma horror films, mm-hmm. and then he does Scooby Doo one and two, right? And those hold up really well. My generation still references those, yeah. so, and they are the mark at which this new animated Scooby Doo movie is going to be compared. Yeah, so I think Charlie's Angels two thousand really gets it right. Yes, because even when you're watching the TV show in the seventies, you know it's clear that the action's not realistic. It's just a goof. It's a fun time. You're watching beautiful women. Jiggle vision, baby. You're you're watching beautiful women empowered. Kicking bad guy ass. (laughs) And Drew Barrymore grew up, you know, watching those reruns. So God bless her for doing this movie. And speaking of uh, star making power. Yeah. You know who has three lines in this movie that we were shocked to see that you called. And I was like, no, that's not her. Melissa McCarthy is in this movie. That's right. For like three lines. And she calls Lucy Liu a bitch. Oh, that's right. So it's on site between me and Melissa McCarthy at this point. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's it it's so bizarre to see her there. I'm just like, what what I'm sorry, who? So, you know, we have done. And it would take her another like twelve years to get when is bridesmaids. Yeah, but she's doing other bit parts before Brian. Oh yeah, no, I'm not, I don't mean to imply she didn't work yeah. for a decade. It's yeah. just it's bizarre to see her in this movie. She's got close-ups. She is, you know, again, she's only in yeah, there yeah. for three or four lines, but she is a part of it. She's not well, an extra. I mean, if you wanted to write a, a paper for your college class, you would talk about you know that kind of the stance of women versus each other, right? Because there is a bad guy female character as well. Yes. Right? And so... Played by Kelly Lynch. And 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 no mistake that just about every one of the heroes and main characters is Gen X in this movie. Yeah. But Kelly is a boomer. Yes. Kelly is born in 59. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in this movie, she's very... It's in, maybe one of the only places where the movie, quote-unquote, fails. And even then, it's it might be a little too plot-heavy. But we were discussing after the film that it might have been really interesting if uh, Kelly Lynch and her character was the person who was influencing Sam Rockwell in a negative fashion. But she's just kind of a goon for him in the actual text of the film. You can imply certain things, Oh, I but think that's implied. I guess... I don't know. I, I, I wanted it to be clear. I wanted yeah, it to be right. like, it, it, what we were talking about is I wanted her to have fed uh, Sam Rockwell's character this line about his dad being killed by Charlie so that yes. he has this method of, re- you know, this reason for revenge. Yes, sort of that would have made more sense. But yeah. Yeah. it is interesting how the one of the big bads is a boomer woman. At the time of this film, when it comes out, she's only, she's 40. Yeah, yeah. And, but, but this is the Gen X view Okay, Charlie's Angels 2000 predates and previews OK Boomer. Yeah. Okay, because Bill Murray is hanging around as kind of like the handler for the Angels, but he's completely incompetent. Oh, yeah. And okay. behind the scenes, he was to, just an ass. So, he, so this, is, this movie, what I like about satire, I am a practicer of it, right? I was a political cartoonist for 10 years. And satire, if it's done really well, 
you don't notice the subtext, right? It's there and you'll feel it later, but it's not right in front of your nose. And I think the way some things are failing now in 2020, you know, maybe because it's too obvious, it's too over. We're, we're, we're yelling at each other, we're screaming on Twitter, we're saying things uh, so strongly that the art is getting lost and people are getting tired and they're starting to shut it off. So I will still want to go see this new Charlie's Angels, but I just wonder if that was part of the problem. Charlie's Angels 2000 has things to say, but it doesn't say them so loudly. It, it doesn't get in the way of just the goofiness and the fun, and you're along for the ride, but it gives you stuff to think about later. Yeah. Yeah. That's good satire. That's good satire. And it's good filmmaking. It's it is there is meat on this on these bones. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as silly and ridiculous and as weird as it is, we are able to spin a 30-minute podcast yeah. out of this well, film. Look, even the fact that Sam Rockwell's character, you know, is bad because his dad had a problem in Vietnam. Okay, yeah. that's pure Gen X dealing with the boomers. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> and the fact that it's not even true and it could have been manipulated by this other boomer, the female. Yeah. I mean, this is my Charlie's Angels. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I'm just bummed that like my Charlie's Angels has just landed with this wet flop. What, and the new and, one? Yeah, dude, nobody yeah. saw it. Yeah. Bond at the box office. They blamed superhero movies, and everyone moved on with their lives. And I well, just like, sort of the way we were disappointed with with the all female Ghostbusters. Flop, oh, man. Right. Want to get back to that one? Well, it does have McCarthy in it. It so. does. I mean, there's a link there, but but I don't want to keep this focused on Charlie's Angels 2000. I, I the soundtrack has been massively influential to me. I have this on my uh, hard drive still. It's it's an intensely year 2000 movie i mean they've got nokia phones it's it's <laughs> yeah it's you know there's a bunch of kids playing final fantasy uh eight uh with two controllers which is weird because it's a single player game but um, you figured that I out i figured that out really fast um <laughs> and drew barrymore when she has to steal a bunch of clothes from these 10 year old boys is wearing a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt when she rolls up to reunite with the rest of the angels. This is a historic artifact. This is a very, very wonderful snapshot of American pop culture in the year 2000. (laughs) Uh, To the point where if you were to line up a set of films to launch into space to represent each year, I would put this in for 2000. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like, hey, aliens, this is where we were at. Scary, huh? (laughs) This has a lot of thematic links to another movie that I, I hope we get the gumption to do a podcast about. You can do this as a double feature with the Josie and the Pussycats movie. Oh, yes. I um, love Josie. They both have that same sense of like, we're actually not really going to change much of anything about this formula. We're not really going no. to evolve past the source material. We're just going to treat it as we're in on the joke. Yes. Lovingly. Lovingly. We yes. are in on the joke. It's It's... You know, Josie and the Pussycats has a lot of the same sort of self-awareness, almost fourth wall breaking that Charlie's Angels has, where they get right up to the fourth wall and then they don't break it. And and this, of course, uh, connects to modern art. Okay, so we talk about pop culture here, but the success of things like Charlie's Angels 2000 is based on what some of the most famous western modern artists did okay so that kind of tongue-in-cheek we're in on the joke is the same thing that andy warhol was selling yep okay so now his stuff 
you know, it began as junk, was considered pop art, now it's considered art, right? The finest museums are bending over backwards to have Warhol shows and lots of shows of artists of his generation. And I'm not saying, you know, Charlie's Angels 2000 is ever going to make it to MoMA, but it's... Why not? It's working on that same treatment of our pop culture. Yeah. The best thing any reboot can do is tell you, you are not stupid for caring about this. Yes. You are... Yes. Welcoming to newcomers, but also welcoming to those who are invested in this. Because if you drive away the people who really love this stuff... All you're going to be left are the people who you maybe have some sort of hold on, but like it's not, it's not enough. And and one of the things that I did like that I heard about the new Charlie's Angels mm. is that they do not decanonize either this movie oh. or that. In fact, it That's is implied nice. that both the events of the show and the events of these films happened. The agency has evolved. They are more serious now. They are mm. more you know whatever, and they're spread out all across the world. They're not just three women anymore. Mm. But I think those events are indirectly referenced once or twice, is oh, what I heard. Cool. I heard. Well, I still want to see it. Yeah. Uh, because it's an important text, because it's, this idea has lasted now for several generations. Well, perhaps it shall not last now. <laughs> perhaps as we, approach, as we approach the 50th anniversary of Charlie's Angels. Oh, oh my hip just Oh, do, do, do. <laughs> Can we talk about Lucy Liu some more? Oh my god. Lucy I'm Lucy. sorry. This is... Uh, Look, this is what... Well, we haven't even talked about how weird Crispin Glover is in this movie. That's, that's not news. That's not news. <laughs> There's nothing to talk about. Crispin Glover's so weird in this baby. He loves it. I love it. I love you, Crispin. You're doing great. You're doing fantastic. Um, this movie had a sequel. We will not be watching or reviewing that for the podcast. <laughs> Uh, Although directed by the same guy. Directed by the same guy. Same creative staff entirely. And they add Carrie Fisher for a scene. So how could it have messed up? I've actually seen the first like 15 minutes of the sequel. It is atrocious. I don't know what I happened. went to the theater. I was excited because I liked the first one. The problem with the second one is they didn't have 16 writers on the staff. <laughs> so That's... Charlie's Angels is the exception that proves the rule. Normally, in my opinion, if you get above three writers, you're really in dangerous territory. Yeah. You really should not have more than three yeah. at the most four writers. Yeah. This movie... Uncredited. Credited has like four writers. Yeah. Uncredited apparently has 16 different revisions and rewrites. And it's like, that, this is a great script. This script is awesome. <laughs> How did you get here with 16 people? Are you 16 morons? people? That's a fire hazard. Like that is something, the fire marshal would be like, okay, there are too many cooks in this kitchen. I need you. You need to clear out here. Like, all right, all right. But this movie was so clearly written by 16 people. Like, this movie is clearly written by 16 people. It also clearly had ad-libbing on set. Like, yeah. you can't hand Bill Murray a script. He's going to put that right in the shredder. Yeah. As he did with the Ghostbusters 3 movie multiple times. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, uh, we didn't talk a lot about Bill Murray because he's a non-presence in this film. He's just a schmuck and he's gross and he was gross in front of the camera and behind the scenes. Yeah. If you want to see my opinion of Bill Murray in the year 2000, go watch Osmosis Jones. <laughs> Which is clearly what he wanted to be doing. So, anyway, Charlie's Angels 2000 holds up. It's in the canon. It's a 10 out of 10. This movie is art. I say, hang it in MoMA. Hang it in the Louvre. Make it, airdrop it to schools all across America. You will educate the youth. You will enlighten the teachers. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the roots were trying to teach us with Wake Up Everyone. Like, that's... This movie... We'll all be better people. We'll all be better people. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> okay, now who's in on a joke? I'm Bentley. Uh, and I'm Samuel. And this has been the Lucy Lou podcast. Oh, call me Lucy.